All right, this is episode number 92 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. Every Monday, including over the holidays, we take a break to bring you the latest and greatest in internet marketing, things we find around the internet, tips and tricks we pick up along the way, and anything that bug us about our fellow internet marketers, whatever it the is. The list is long. <laughs> we bring it to you. If you're listening now, you know where to find us. But if you want to tell a friend, we're on iTunes and thebeardofmarketers.com slash podcast. Feel free to leave a rating and a review. Also, email at least five friends right now. We'll play music right now while you do that in CC. Hold music. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What are you drinking to get in the mood? Tonight, we're turning back to a classic, some Talisker tin. Very nice, even scotch, a little bit of smokiness to it. How about yourself? I'm boring. Come on. You know what it is. The mule. Moscow the mule. mule. Did I tell you I added a little bit of allspice liqueur in one and it was nice. It's a little spin on the usual. When you say you added a little bit, how much are we talking? Just a dash. Like okay. maybe a third of an ounce. I'll give that a try, try, try a little bit later tonight. All right, let's go ahead and move into this. It's the holiday season. I'm sure you're still reeling from your food comas and getting ready for the New Year's. So let's go ahead and make this brief, but chock full of great information. So for today, we're going to be talking about holiday season wrap up. How do we analyze our results? How do we make sense of this crazy time of year? Rob's going to go over what do we need to dissect our data, looking for the nuggets of information we need to pull. I wanted to give a shout out to a particular content provider out there, but I'll save that till we get to that segment. They had a great list of articles that they covered over this year, and they're focusing on some very interesting concentrations in 2015 that I think a lot of people need to be paying attention to. Eight reasons for loyalty programs, but do loyalty programs even work online? I think we've talked about this on a surface level before, but let's dive in into loyalty. And it would not be an episode if we didn't check in with our favorite search engine, Google. What are they doing that you need to be paying attention to or some information about them that you might find tantalizing? But Rob's going to kick us off. Holiday season wrap up. I feel like I'm still recovering, but I had some crack pie, which was delicious. (laughs) And I'm starting to get my old self back. But, you know, how do we make sense of this crazy, crazy world? Yeah. So before everybody runs out there, now that this is over, the shopping season is over and throws away all the reports, Mm -hmm. uh, deletes all their data. Here's a few things I wanted to talk about, because now that the holiday season's over, it's already time to begin planning for the next holiday season, right? No, but importantly, I think there's a few things that, you know, we as marketers sort of tend to forget now that, you know, the holiday season's over. So let's just move on to the next greatest thing. But I think now is the time to analyze the results. Everything's still fresh in your mind. What kind of campaigns were working for you? Map those things out and compare them to previous years. That way, going into next year, you're already prepared. You already have all these things done. You know it worked exactly when it worked, how much money you made from your different traffic channels. So I'm just going to run through a few quick things. I'm sure you're going to have some things to add. But again, this episode's short and sweet. All right. Okay. Trends you every year. I mentioned that. That's an important one. How do we try to predict what the hell is going to happen for the next upcoming season? Prepare some of those trend reports now, comparing what happened this season to last season and the season before, depending on how long you've had your job. I guess it's internet marketing, so (laughs) everybody jumps jobs all the time. But get those reports ready so you can sort of look at the trending data. I mean, is your SEO traffic going down? What kind of ROAS are you seeing on different channels? Mm -hmm. How are your margins looking? Which is something a lot of people don't even take the time to really calculate. It's amazing to me. Oh, yeah. It's all about conversion rates and how many 
goals did we make? But did that actually make you more money? Exactly. You know, losing that side of that margin. Especially number. for uh, complex e-commerce mm-hmm. uh, websites. I mean, yeah, maybe you have a great return on ad spend, but those are low margin, terrible products. So you actually didn't make much money. Pay attention to those numbers. Again, run those numbers now. Try to figure out which email marketing campaigns made you money today or last holiday season. Did you actually do many sales on Black Friday? Was it Cyber Monday? Was it the Thursday? Which weekends were big for you? And potentially try to find out why some of that stuff was. Again, some of your marketing campaigns are still fresh in your mind. Write down what kind of marketing messages you are using and in what ways to which segments. All of these things are going to help you greatly for next year. So you're not struggling to go, what the hell did we do You know, with our email marketing campaigns? Right. Did that even work? Was I drunk on eggnog? What happened? <laughs> yes, true. But also, <laughs> here's what works. So I just wanted to mention some of those things. Keep track of all of those things. A huge thing that's always changing all the time too, which is uh, important, is try to find out what happened this year with your mobile traffic versus oh, your yeah. desktop stuff. That one's always changing and that'll help inform decisions again for next year. So a couple other that I'll throw in the mix. One, and hopefully you did this why this was occurring, but make some notes about what your competitors were doing and maybe check in in a couple of months to see if those things are carrying on. This is usually the time where a lot of companies are trying new things because they're getting a lot of traffic uh, and they're you know testing out different ideas and see if your competitors have switched strategies now coming out of holidays. Maybe they found something that's working really well as a result of holidays and it's sticking. So keep track of that, but also what their efforts might have been. You might have noticed certain competitors sitting out that it might have fluxed your data, things of that nature. Speaking of data, one of the things that I would add into your comparison and trend data that Rob was talking about is looking at what is overall segment doing. So taking a look at things like Google Trend or different data sources to see if we had a down year, why is that? Is that because maybe we spent a little bit less? Maybe overall demand for the entire segment is down. Maybe we had some new competitors entering the space and try to dissect not only what is our trend as company XYZ, uh, but what was the entire segment doing? Because that might fill in the gaps, the complete story that our data is trying to paint for us. And I think that should do us. So did you have anything else to add? No, I think that was uh, pretty much it. And, you know, just not not much else to talk about there, but just, you know, again, while uh, stuff's fresh, throw it in an Excel sheet, forget about it until next year. (laughs) All right. So let's move along. And I hinted at this at the beginning. If you work in really any sort of content space online, they do take a focus on e-commerce, but I believe a lot of the articles that they put on their site have much more universal application. I wanted to give a specific shout out to the Baymard Institute. I know we've referenced them in the past. It's been a while, but if you don't know who they are, definitely check them out. This is one of the few endorsements that we give out on this show, but they have a great wealth of content on their site that they make available for free. And they also have some purchase content plans as well. But in particular, there is a blog post 2014 and 2015 is the title of it. And they go over a synopsis of the research concentrations that they had over this year and what their plans are for 2015. I would highly recommend taking some time if you are experiencing a little bit more capacity or availability over this holiday, read through some of their articles. You might find some of their content helps paint why 
users might be struggling on your site or some interesting test ideas heading into 2015. I'm really interested in the research that they're going to be conducting this year on sort and filtering. 2014 for them was a big focus on search, which I believe for some companies is this redheaded stepchild that we often forget about. You know, as long as we have a search feature, that's oftentimes good enough for companies, but they don't realize, number one, why are people searching? Maybe this is a indication that we're failing in other areas. So they're not finding the content very easily. So having to search, but also what is the satisfaction of the results? Is it optimized? And there's a lot that you can do with search. And to your point earlier, mobile is a huge frontier for search. It's a widely used feature for those devices, depending on how it renders that on your site. And so there are a ton of great articles that they put out this year around search and how you need to potentially tackle that difficult subject that oftentimes companies don't really spend that much time about. So check out Baymart Institute. We're going to tweet out a link, a lot of great content. One of the things that I like about them is they are not a content provider that puts out blog posts every Friday. They're not in the habit of just spewing out content. They wait until they have well fleshed out articles that are chock full of great takeaways. So if you use any sort of reader or whatever, definitely add them to the list. They come highly recommended. Anyways, that's enough of the Baymart Institute Love Fest. Well, really quickly before mm-hmm. we move on, I just okay. want to mention, because it's a bit of a weird name. It's Baymard, B-A-Y-M-A-R-D, Baymard.com. It's the Baymard Institute. So, all right, let's move on. I want to talk briefly about loyalty programs. I know you have experience I do. in this I'm a very category. loyal friend. Uh, <laughs> Loyalty programs. Maybe I'm not the best person to speak on them because I'm not a member of any. I don't have a, a keychain in my pocket that has 50 local grocery store loyalty programs. Maybe that's program an indication, cards. though, of what you're saying. People aren't yes. really executing it. We'll, we'll get well. to that later okay. on. But this is an article from marketingland.com. And the article title is Eight Reasons Why Loyalty Programs Are Imperative for Marketers. I have a bit of a different slant on here, but I want to run through these anyway because I'm not always right with everything. I'm mostly right. <laughs> I've gotten a few big calls wrong, though. So, number one, it has been proven to boost growth. I also want to say, too, that a lot of the data I feel like they're pulling is stuff that I learned like in my marketing degree and mm-hmm. in university. So, I feel like some of this is number one, pulled from the real world. Number two, pulled from like old data. So, right. number one, it has been proven to boost growth. Number two, loyalty programs are not as expensive as you may think. <laughs> uh, number three, they boost your reputation which actually may, in my mind, be the opposite if you have a loyalty program. Why do you need that? Exactly. (laughs) Number four, increase sales by including enticing awards. Five, it provides vital market research. Six, it makes customers happy. Seven, you can provide in-store or digital rewards or both. Eight, once it gets started, it stops being work. I would say backing up, I don't agree with several of these pretty heavily, but I do want to point out a few and why I disagree with them. Because again, I'm not always right. So I've gotten some huge calls wrong, specifically tender. Yeah, I got, I called that one wrong. I didn't think that was going to work. It blew up in my face. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. All right. So I wanted to talk about, let's talk about a couple of these. Once it gets started, it stops being work. Come on now. We all know that's true. That's mm-hmm. not true about any marketing program right. ever created by anyone ever. Things always change the way that people use your loyalty programs, change the types of awards you're offering people, change uh, motivations. And again, as 
anything in the marketing world, new competitors are going to totally change Absolutely. how people are, are using your cards or if they care to or not. And it's just one of those things where anytime you have an aspect of your business like that, you shouldn't be letting it dangle out and not giving it any sort of attention. I understand the thought process of that person the author is going through, but it's really the wrong mindset. If you're truly going to do a loyalty program, the reason why most of those fail is because of that actual reason where people create these loyalty programs. They think they'll be self-sustaining. And once I start it in the forever famous words of Ron Perpeel, I'll set it and forget it. And I don't have to do anything else. And that's why, to your point, you don't have anything on your keychain because they are oftentimes these aspects that companies just create because either they feel like they need to because everyone else has one or this will be a great marketing goldmine for us to acquire and keep customers. And then that's about the end of the discussion. And so I really disagree with that point. I think that that is actually at the heart at why most of these loyalty programs really suffer to get off the ground or even function very well for these companies. Well, and I think one of my biggest complaints with loyalty programs, and I think there's other ways you can try to get close at achieving the same effects. Well, I mean, number one, so one of the major things they had here as a benefit was it provides vital market research. It's not really the case anymore, especially with internet marketing. You track whatever the hell everybody else is doing anyway, and we don't need you to be using a loyalty program for that. Even in the real world, though, too, Home Depot got hacked pretty heavily. Hmm. But you know they were tracking all that stuff just based on the credit card. They're pulling the name off of it. They know what you're doing and, and what you're buying. Well, and you have to tread lightly there as well. You know, Depending on how people get into these loyalty programs, what you can run into is making certain assertions about your website or marketing messages based on the small segment. And these might not necessarily be akin to your normal shoppers. These mm-hmm. are potentially very, very loyal people that are bought into your brand, bought into the message. And so what can happen in some companies is they get this market research from their loyalty program, they make changes and they wonder why their performance is not as expected because they've conducted all these panels. So I think it can be an interesting point of research, but you have to weigh that accordingly, understand who these people are and how well is that going to mate up to real life if you're going to make some determinations based on this data. It can be very skewed research that you're conducting here and can get you into trouble. Two final things I wanted to mention. First and foremost, come on, you have to be very careful about starting these things Mm -hmm. because once you start it, you can't stop, right? (laughs) Once you pop, you can't stop. You cannot come up with a graceful way of closing down a loyalty program. I mean, the people who are truly loyal and actually taking advantage, you piss them off the most. So be very careful about starting one because you're probably not going to be able to get rid of it. Number two, and this is where you sort of hinted at, we have talked about loyalty programs before in the past. If you're going to do one, make your damn rewards worth something. And I think this is one of the major reasons, there's a lot of major reasons why they don't work well anymore, but especially online, because everything is so competitive, it's very hard to actually offer benefits with a loyalty reward Mm -hmm. program. My margins are already super thin. Um, I can't really afford to give you anything worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Similar like airplane company reward programs. I don't even pay attention to those damn things anymore. I don't get anything worth anything. Uh Expedia has reward points. I don't pay attention to that. Uh, Delta, whatever. I don't pay attention anymore because margins have dropped so low in most industries. They can't afford to actually give you anything that's going to make it worth using their reward program. Or if you can, it's very 
one-off situations. So as a working example, maybe you work in a space to where you can have a loyalty program that gets first access to something as it releases. You know, you get first crack at it. Well, that's mm-hmm. not going to be everyone. And to your point, we're such in a competitive marketplace. Usually I'm in a position where I'm already giving as much as I can away because it's so competitive out there. I need to eke out that last little conversion. And also to your point about closing them down, we now live in a world where we have social media. And so if you're going to start these loyalty programs, keep in mind two things. One, if they're shitty, people are going to talk about it online. And so now you have this reputation management that needs to go on because people are laughing about you online or calling you under the carpet for this stupid loyalty program. But also if you do stop it, there is going to be the social aspect that you're going to have to manage that everyone will have visibility into. So there's another reputation aspect that you'll need to really think about. And we've had some very high profile social media meltdowns out there. So you just really need to tread into these waters very carefully, weigh out what you think you'll potentially gain from this and see if it's going to be worth your while as a company. You glossed over it, but I think it's bare and mentioned for a lot of companies, a loyalty program to me, if you're a company that's spent its time marketing well, come up with a value proposition and you have a high demand product, a loyalty program shouldn't really matter. And almost to me, it seems like that's the more desperate company typically. You have to have these loyalty programs to try to capture people. And if you have done your due diligence in selecting your product or coming out with something that's really worth the value, I don't really know if you need that loyalty program versus the potential benefits or risks that you're opening up your company to. Really be careful about those. I think that there are a lot executed really poorly. And oftentimes that manifests itself in not only do you have this half-assed loyalty program, but many times people cost conversions trying to force you into these programs. We have these checkout processes or trying to get this X piece of content and we insert this new step into the process trying to force you into this rewards program and convoluting the whole thing. And now I'm trying to ascertain, well, is it really worth joining this? I might have been really sold on the products, but now I'm kind of questioning, well, this rewards program seems kind of stupid or I'm not sure I'm going to get any value of it. Now I've wasted a bunch of time. Oh, I got a new tweet or a Facebook message coming in. Let me go and do that. And now I've like lost the person. So just tread very, very carefully into these waters. I don't think it's so cut and dry that many people make it out to be like this article author, Mm -hmm. but just really weigh things out very carefully. All right. Tell us what's going on in Mountain View for this last week. Shouldn't be much, right? I mean, it's the holidays. No, it's not going to be much. If you work in the agency space or maybe in the PPC space and you want to work on your own education, Google is now rolling out a shopping campaign creation certification. So if you want to be very proficient in creating these new shopping type campaigns where we're showing products or certain goods within the search engine results pages, PLAs, things of that nature, they have their own certification. I would recommend anyone that's in the space to take this. To be honest, Google certifications are some of the better ones out there. They're not really fluff tests. They'll really push you into different areas and really have to understand the product, which I think sometimes, even if you don't work as an agency, it'll cause you to learn more about the product and might be able to facilitate you executing your job better. So I would recommend that. We'll tweet out a link where you can enroll in that. Also, what a lot of people don't think about is even though you 
don't take into account these tests, the learning centers for prepping you for these tests can oftentimes be gold mines of really great nuggets that you can pull from to execute new campaigns that you didn't think about. So those learning centers to prep you for tests can oftentimes be very great help centers that you might want to check out. Also, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it on the podcast. This is a homework assignment for you. Moz released a whiteboard video that talks about, and this, I'm going to get real serious here. Dun, dun, dun. The massive ranking feature. This is, has to do with SEO. Too many SEOs are ignoring. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. And what Rand talks about in this whiteboard video is how Google is leveraging engagement as a strong SEO signal and really what that means for practicing businesses and SEO professionals, how we need to treat engagement, what Google is using to weigh that. And it's a difficult subject. He skirts around it a bit. A lot of SEO professionals don't necessarily talk about engagement because it's not so easy to quantify. You know, Mm -hmm. Google hasn't been explicit to say, when we see Facebook signals, they're worth this. Or if we see X amount of tweets, that's this amount of authority. Whereas in other realms of SEO, you can point to more concrete things like you need to have well thought out title tags or whatever it might be. So this almost borders on the art versus science that you were talking about earlier to where there's an expert level that needs to come in and tackle engagement as how we're going to look at this as a company, but we're not going to really necessarily have hard numbers to go against. And it, it really takes a lot of experimentation to see what happens. But what you'll often find is those gains or those benefits sometimes will take a little bit. It might take an algorithm update to see your efforts come to fruition or the opposite. You get penalized and now it takes another algorithm change for all of that uh, negative penalty to become undone. And so it's a very interesting video. And if you don't have time or the ability to watch the video, there's actually a transcript on the link that we'll tweet out. So definitely worth a read or watch, but a fascinating topic that I think many companies will need to tackle as they go into 2015 as Google has really showed that Google Plus growth isn't necessarily where they would want it to be. So now they're starting to factor back in Facebook, Twitter, some of these other social platforms to really get a grapple on who are the authorities that they need to return in these results. And companies will have to take that into account. So that's going to do it for us this week. We said it was going to be a short one, even though it went a little bit longer, you found some value. If you did, we'd ask that you, one, share with a friend, a colleague, or as Rob would like to say, a lover perhaps. Leave us a review on whatever channel you found us on. It helps us grow the show, but also know where we stack up and potentially things that we need to change. If you have an idea for the show, maybe you sit and listen every week and go, hmm, those beer guys are pretty smart, but they didn't think about this. Or you're struggling with something. Maybe the boss is yelling at you and you don't really know where to turn. Let us know. we got a lot of experience in the industry, and if we can't help you, we can certainly put you into contact with someone that can. A couple ways you can reach us, thebeardmarketers.com slash contacts. You can leave us a line there. Twitter, which we're quite active on, and we'll tweet out every link that we talked about on the show. Or you can call us at our dedicated crises hotline, 904-270-9603, or you can leave us a text. Rob waits by the phone day and night, just waiting for your calls. We love hearing from people. Again, thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.